You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, as requested, Sid Talk, I have to ask you. Are you feeling better after last week's... As requested uh, by whom? You. One of your listeners? Requested by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you don't give a shit, basically. I forgot. If I've recovered. You forgot that at the end of last week, I felt so bad, I almost ended it. And you maybe you added, almost died. Maybe I didn't. Ex- <laughs> well, you almost maybe committed I didn't express suicide. it to you clearly enough because I don't act like I'm going to die when I feel like it. But I felt so bad. What did I do? I retreated to the couch and to the toilet for a long time after. I didn't give a crap. And I, I clearly, <laughs> and I have since recovered. Yes. And after describing it to my mother, who came to visit that same weekend, she said oh, that happened to me just last week. So I don't know what it was. It must be a, d- a disability in the family. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I've recovered now, but I had it again yesterday a little bit during our lovely... I've told you your solution. ...movie marathon. You don't listen to me. What? Stop taking those pills what you take. I take one a day, Stop. and it's for inflammation. Stop getting that stuff from that guy on the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that I mean? doctor. <laughs> that doctor on the corner. You know. So, when, yeah, I've recovered. When you take smack, you're supposed to eat well. <laughs> smack. <laughs> Anyway. Hmm, maybe smack is good for pain. I'll think about it. Anyway, non shall pass. Do you want to do the non shall pass? What's that mean? You know, Gandalf. Do his non shall pass. Do you he want didn't to say non shall pass. He said, you shall not pass. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, after the show number 118. It's Sunday, February the 18th, 2010. And this week, in an epic... It's took us all weekend to watch these movies. Um... We're looking at the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the theatrical cuts on Blu-ray disc. Uh, These are movies from 2001, 2002, and 2003, released on Blu-ray in 2010. And they're released on Blu-ray Tuesday the 6th of April. Um, It's a box set. It's nine discs. It's a lot of hours of stuff to watch. If you haven't seen it It's the first time in high definition... It's from our friends at Warner and New Line, and you're going to tell us what these movies are all about. I think we should refer to them as... Uh, I was going to say we should refer to them as one big movie, but no, I think we should split them up when we're talking about well, them. Well, we think about it overall, it is one big it movie. Is. It is. It a is a hobbit who's been entrusted to take this ring thing. What's a to, hobbit? A hobbit. I don't actually know. Um, a hobbit to... Uh, it's like the most innocuous... green. <laughs> 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 Oh my god, that's funny. That was a Chasing Amy reference, if Correct. anybody else does. No idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Kevin Smith, Peter Jackson, yeah, we're kind of in the same same world. Not really. They both were fat. One one isn't anymore. Correct, and one is. He has who. Not that that matters. Anyway, a hobbit is sort of an innocuous little creature. Just a happy-go-lucky little peoples who live inside of hills or whatever and he's given a ring this is my inter- this is me telling you because everyone who's listening to this has seen him right so everybody knows so it's kind of silly that we're explaining it but a hobbit gets this ring thing to take and throw in this fire and apparently it's very far away because another kevin smith reference they do a lot of walking 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 in this movie that was from Clerks 2, when Randall says, Lord of the Rings is a bunch of crap because it's just 
walking. It's not Randall, it's that guy. It is Randall. Oh, some guy, like, oh no, because he's the walk. No, it's Randall, because he does the walk. He does that really walk, and he's like, they're walking, they're walking. (laughs) And after watching them again, I can't argue with that. But anyway, they have to go a very long distance, and he goes with his friend, Sam. Across the whole of Middle East. Sam Wise Gamgee. Gamgee. And um, along the way, they encounter... They become uh, part of the Fellowship of the Rings in the first, and we'll say in the beginning of the story, which is, you know, a couple of other hobbits, an elf, a dwarf, a wizard, and a couple of dudes. Is this a true story? One of whom is sort of an angry son of a nobleman, uh, and the other is sort of a dropout, should be the king kind of guy, type of guy. Then they go through some stuff, and then <laughs> all the time moving closer to this place called Mor- Mordor, where there's this big volcano, and that's where the ring has Mount to go. Mount Doom. Mount Doom, where, well, it's in the area of Mordor. I'm not clear exactly on the places and the people and the things. I don't My brain doesn't work that way, but it I'm just saying. just show you a map with them all wrote on at one point. Uh, true. I need to study that map, because I'm not clear still on why it was such a long ways away. But anyway, and why they all survived. Uh, just, so through the, the process, <laughs> okay, they don't all survive. <laughs> Not everyone survives this movie. Um, so then uh, we meet up with a creature called Gollum, who did have the ring for like five hundred years. He was a hobbit, turned into this disgusting creature who drives me freaking crazy. Beautifully done, That's his intention. except for some movements, but really irritating. Almost beyond me being able to listen or look, I have to look away and kind of ignore sometimes. That's the idea of him. I suppose, but some people are endeared to him. I just find him repulsive. I'm not he's, uh, he is what he is. He's a, a yeah. repulsive, repulsive um, manifestation. Yeah, a, uh, yeah, a manifestation of torment. Mm-hmm. That, in my mind, the whole entire movie is about addiction to some vice or to some foe. That There's a lot of uh, a weed smoking. Well, no, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about the whole of it. To me, the ring itself. And the evil that you can do by having this ring that will control everything. You could say the ring could be money in this. Uh, in this, um... no, I don't think it's money. I think it represents anything no, I'm that not distracts. Saying, I'm saying per- it could be. Something. I'm saying yeah. it can distract a person in life. It could be money. It's the thing that represents anything that pulls you away from the path you should be taking, from your family and your friends and your responsibilities. It could be anything: drugs, overwork, greed, Facebook. Any, yeah, exactly. Anything. World of Warcraft. Farmville. Movies. <laughs> anything <laughs> that you focus on more and it calls to you and it drags you toward it. And that's really, to me, what the whole story is about. I don't know anything about J.R.R. Tolkien, <laughs> except that he throws a little feminism in there or a little bit of women's rights, which I find kind of interesting. That's my own interpretation. I have no clue. So anyway, we've met Gollum, and he tries to get us a little bit further. And then, of course, the thing breaks apart because then Frodo, who's the hobbit, and Sam are off on their own, except with Gollum. And then the fellowship kind of falls apart, and they have to go do their own thing by saving the other two little hobbit dudes who end up up in the tree. And the trees are alive. The tree shepherds. They're in a tree the entire second movie, aren't they? The Inuits. Inuits. I never understood what that tree guy was saying exactly. What Inuit, called. I think. Inuits. Those were awesome. And I didn't think... Well, we'll talk about it later. They're anyway, in the tree for the so entire then, second movie. The idea of the two towers is you got to take down one of the towers. Because one tower is full of the evil guy whose spirit is, is waiting for the ring, basically, to be brought back to him. And he can manifest himself. That's my... I think that's what's going to happen. And the other tower is basically this wizard guy who's 
hoarding up this big army of gross, disgusting creatures and is going to help with this evil eye up in the, up in the other tower uh, defeat the whole world and take over. So you have to destroy the one tower and in the process the trees get in there and kind of help. Well, not the trees, but the Inuits. Maybe the trees, too. Looks like trees to me, but he said, We're not trees. Yeah, trees. We're Inuits. Anything worth saying takes a long time to say it. Mm-hmm. I like that. I don't subscribe to that. Uh, everything worth saying is worth saying fast and furious, like I'm saying right now. So then we, uh, and all the time, Ring's getting closer. Ring's getting closer. We're at the end Frodo's of the second getting, movie now. Frodo's getting tired, and he's got stabbed, and he's been knocked down, and he's getting hungry, and he's sweaty, and his big bulgy eyes keep looking all deary-eyed and whatnot. I'm not a big fan of the constant <gasps> looks that he gets, but whatever. It's a drama. He's a little and scared. And then we dude. get to where we want the king, and then there's the return of the king, which is the guy, uh, I forget his name, Vigo Morganson, Mortensen? Vigo. Vigo. I just call him Vigo. Vigo. He's your good friend. And in this process, in this part of it, we want basically to defeat evil altogether so that Middle-earth can now become the realm of mankind. Because at this point, we're all accepting the fact that the elves are going to go away, wizards are going to go away, um, hobbits, I guess, are just going to retreat to the little hole in the ground. But otherwise, there will be no more magic, there'll be no more anything like this, it's just we're leaving it to mankind, and we're all going to go out on a boat. That's a bad mistake. It was not a good idea, but, um, and that's it. You want to defeat the big guy and you want to see if Frodo makes it to the, to the, to the big pot of, uh, to the volcano. Uh, so, yeah, that's the overall, uh, based on a novels by J.R.R. That's why I was Um, from the, I think we said from the 50s and 60s. There's more than the three novels. <laughs> People too. listening to this are like, how could you possibly not know well, how I read, many books I read and them what year school. they were written? And there's more than the three. And they're also making a, a couple of new movies um, next year. Uh, Excuse me. Which is the prequels, The Hobbit. Um, which is Bilbo Baggins' deal. So oh, yeah, Bilbo Baggins is the guy who starts it all because he's at the very beginning. He's the uh, little hobbit dude who has had the ring now for many, many years. And it's tormented And he passes him. it on to his... Yeah, it's tormented him, but he hasn't become evil, you see. That's the thing about hobbits. It doesn't corrupt them, and if it does, it's very slow. Except for Smeagol, he was... Or Gollum, he was a hobbit, and he was very corrupted. Yeah. Because he was ready to kick some ass right Something away. Something special but. about the Baggins clan, though, right? Samwise, he wasn't affected at all, and he had it in his pocket for a long time. Yeah, he, from the time of the spider till he got back, did, yeah. didn't phase him at all. No, because he's just a nice. So guy. Um, these movies won a lot of Oscars. If you know anything about movies, you'll know about these. Uh, Let's say why they didn't win for quality of acting or necessarily for writing. They were nominated for thirty Oscars. I just looked up, and a I lot mean, of it had to do with art direction. The last movie, Return of the King, won Best Picture for that year. Um, the other two didn't. But yeah, it was mostly for special effects, art direction, music, blah, blah, blah. Sound but design. Not, no, nothing for acting. Um, Ian McKellen was nominated <laughs> for his work in the first movie, um, but nobody else for any other acting. So, a lot of people I've read um, think that the movie adaptations of Lord of the Rings are essentially like magnificent special effects set piece um, and then another magnificent set piece 
strung together with some boring parts. Now, after watching it again, this is what would this be like the third time, fourth time, maybe we've watched it. I, we we watched it theatrically. We watched the extended cuts. Mm-hmm. So it might be the third time we've watched it in full. Because I've watched Fellowship of the Ring a couple of times on television. Yeah, just exactly. Um, so I kind of see it differently this time. That's uh, this. Um, I kind of see it differently this time uh, from the first time. Because it's like... I, it's I, I felt point, like I... Yeah. I felt like the third time round, if this is the third time, <laughs> I sunk it. It sunk in more or something, like in a better way or or, or not. Did you, you know? See it? Do you know what I um when I knew we were going to be watching the Lord of the Rings again and we were going to watch it in high definition this time, I thought to myself, well, they're pretty old these movies. Then they're not really. I mean, they're not even ten years old. But um, I was thinking to myself. These are probably going to look terrible in terms of special effects and stuff because we've really moved a long way from that. But I was pleasantly surprised. Yes, there are some dodgy parts, but there's more good parts than dodgy parts. The dodgy parts are few and far between, in fact. You know the third movie? Mm -hmm. The scene I'm talking about is like Aragon um, jumping up on the elephant and doing the kind of... yeah. Now Not Aragon. Not Aragorn. Legolas. Uh, Legolas. Jumping up on the elephant and doing like yes. a, a set piece. It looks terrible, like, all the time. But I remember that being much longer than that. It seemed very brief when we watched it. This time? Yeah, this time. It, it, I mean, it literally was like, like 40 minute. seconds. Yeah, it wasn't very long. Um, and then the rest of the battle looks amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I loved it, the rest of the battle. Some of the horse things rolling and the people flying, it's very ragdoll. But you have to just... It is, but like... Like, I actually have to divert my attention, because it will totally pull me out. I really liked it. Because I think to myself, did they not watch this again, and could they not tweak it just enough so it doesn't look like that? But, you know, you gotta... See, I thought it looked a lot better than I thought. I thought it always looked Mm. terribly um, animated, and and like... And obviously, you know, there's the final battle at Esalon Fields, or whatever, the big battle... Mm -hmm. I mean, That's pretty it's awesome. the biggest thing you've ever seen. The elephant like, thing with them it's, swinging. And, it's literally oh. the biggest. And when the camera, there's a helicopter camera, <laughs> which isn't really, you know, there's a camera. Not really. <laughs> that flies over the entire scene. And the thing's mind-blowing, like, to look at. It's, it, there's, I'd, I've never seen anything in any other movie on that scale. Like, I mean, yes, they're all, like, computerized people fighting down the yeah. road, but you feel the... Uh, this is a big battle. Like the Helm's Deep battle in the second one. It's just nothing compared to what really happens. Mm-hmm. Even though I prefer Helm's Deep. I like... I like this one. Well, I mean, we're kind of skipping over the whole discussing them. At, we're discussing it as a big movie. I guess no, I was just fair. getting at the... Uh, yeah, as a big movie, yeah. I mean, yeah. Helm's Deep to, to the people is like the first big battle. In fact, the first movie, the first three hours of this trilogy, there's not really a battle in it, is there? It's more of a lead-up to everything. Mm-hmm. I, I, that first movie I used to think was my favourite Lord of the Rings movie I disagree now me too I, I've changed my mind completely I like how they discover each other and how it comes to be but it's sweet in the beginning I think I like the second movie the best and I think I like the third one and yeah. the, before as we discussed whether we've seen it two or three times I had zero recollection of this movie so I think my I think my theory is that the first time we went to see it 
Was it the midnight show you claim? I do not. It was. Re- I, I do not recall this at all. So I must have worked the whole night before, stayed up all day, gone to the movie, and I, I just I don't remember watching it at all. And if we did watch it again on DVD, same thing must have happened. I must have been asleep by the time. I can't believe you would be asleep during that movie, though. I'm just saying I don't. I didn't remember. I mean, I, I it was like a dreamish. I could remember the big elephant, elephant things, kind of, sort of. I didn't remember how it ended. I didn't remember if they got the ring there. I didn't remember. I mean, I knew, they, but none of it. I was sitting there as if I was watching. You didn't remember the, the spider time. thing or any of that? Very roughly. And the only time I remembered it was when he said, We must go in the tunnel. She's hungry. She, and I'm like, Oh, God, not that spider thing. Is that that spider thing or was that in the video game? Because I'm thinking that's so ridiculous. And I, remember, I thought it again. The spider thing was pretty cool. I mean, it must have been in the movie. I mean, the book, obviously. But I just was like, Oh, can we not skip the spider part? But that kind of has Sam shown his balls there, didn't it? But anyway. For me, some of the special effects that I have a problem with, and it it plagues me throughout, and even in the memory of it is, these little dudes, the hobbits, never look right. I am never convinced when you look at a long shot and we're looking at them from behind and they've replaced them with children. Or oh, there's a lot of that. It's so unconvincing. No, let me, let me say, it's so unconvincing on the horses, in the distance, from other angles. It's like, it's like they didn't... I don't know. It was like movie making 101. It looked like shit. Every time you went to swap from who they are, because they're thin, young actors, right? Maybe in their 20s. They're all thin and probably just average size, height, 5 to well, 6 feet or whatever. But then when they show them, and you see them up close and a lot of times interacting and doing things, and they're exactly what they are, well proportioned, and then they show them in the distance from behind... And they've chosen a little person or a child or whoever. And it's to- I, I'm like instantly like, oh, I'm totally not convinced that those are hobbits. And then a lot of the time they play with um, perspective. Uh-huh. And like, like, there's In a those part- cases, it's okay. There's a, no, there's, there's some parts where... There's a part particularly where they're dancing on a table. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks yeah. like they, they're in front of a green screen and the yeah. table's... You know, they're kind of skewed in with a computer and kind of turned a little bit. Yeah. And the lighting on them doesn't look it's like the rest off. of the room. It's always the off. The contrast yeah. on the cut-in hobbits is almost always wrong. And yeah. I don't understand. Maybe it's the... And now looking at it... It is odd. Um, the only time it ever looks fine, you know, and you just said it's always wrong. The, well, for me, the opening of the Fellowship of the Rings where they're in the Shire, mm-hmm. it's all right. It looks all right. Of course, because everything's scaled to them. I know, that's what I'm saying. But then... As soon as they're with people... But no, but, I mean, even in the Shire, there's still, like, they have to interact with Gandalf, for instance. He's the only one, though. He's yeah, the, yeah. And he looks fine. Yeah, he does. It's and just it a, always looks fine. It man. always bothered me, every single time. And I was like, oh, I can't even convince myself that you know, Frodo is a, a hobbit or that any of those dudes are What really bothered me, right? And this is like, this. I bet you there's, like, 70 shots of this. What's the, the hobbit who ended up in Lost? What's his name? Not Pippin. Mary. Mary. He's on a horse. <laughs> yeah. And he's wearing a helmet. <laughs> right? And he's just a... He's a man. Yeah. He's the same size as a man. But he's on this horse. And they've kind of green screened him. He's sat on a horse in front of a lady who's... Yeah. Who's reining the horse. And he's in front of her... And they keep doing this close-up shot of him, like, with this stupid look on his face. It really gets on my nerves as well, that. that you know, he's like... <laughs> yeah, well, that that shot, which you see a lot, because they're always cut into it to show his reaction to stuff. It's a green screen him, shrunken down, like, to 80%. Exactly! 
and it just looks weird. Like it doesn't look like a like you think that that would supposed. They to needed look. to assign someone to the perspective thing. Somebody or just got the slider in Paint Shop and <laughs> yeah, moved it to eighty exactly. percent, and then. And I think after wa- having watched them enough times, where you know the story, you know the stuff. That's the stuff that starts sort of like jumping out at you. Yeah, and I don't mean to be critical, like nitpicky, but I mean you can't help it. No, because it's. These are main I have to say, I like these movies. Yep. I'm just, we're just picking I enjoy something. Ilya, I enjoy them. Do you know what thoroughly. else I want to pick apart after this third viewing? Um, <laughs> I mean, while we're on the pick apart thing. I got one too after you're done. Well, mine also is, I believe, and these were the theatrical cuts we watched, uh, which are shorter than the extended cuts by quite some time. I still believe they drag a little in parts. I, I think, like, the pacing, like, they could be kind of uh what what is it where you trim it f- to make it more I felt like number two had more drag I, I believe number one had a bit of drag um and what i'm talking about is there are scenes and i know it's magnificent and lovely where there's a helicopter flying over vistas for extended periods of time for no reason like i mean sometimes it's like oh yeah somebody on a horse is going from a to b but it's it's so prolonged like it's like i'm often thinking to myself can we get back to the story? Yeah, but because let's be I honest, it only lasts about ten or fifteen seconds. I, th- I feel it adds to it adds like a. Sometimes it, it just adds like a drag to things. Like I, I'm, I'm thinking we could move on here. We don't really need to see him go from A and to B. And in my thing, the drag comes from the big freaking battle scenes. Now I can the, take about one minute of that, and then I'm done. And now I'm that like, last battle is literally forty-five minutes long. I like when uh, the king. Uh, I don't know his name. I don't remember. The king of... not He's not... He's the king of... I don't know. The uncle of the chick. The blonde girl. The mm-hmm. ad-uncle guy. When he and his dudes show up on the hill. And then they're like, we're... I mean, we're riding down and we can see. We're outnumbered by, you know, ten times. And the... Or the crummy dudes in the bottom. They look up and as this horde of horses come toward them, they act, it actually frightens them because you... It's like that moment you well up a little bit. That part I like. The idea that this this army, they're, and I'm sure that's just a theme in all like big battles in history even. We're going to our death. We will be defeated, but we will scare the shit out of them in the process. And as they're coming down the hill, and then they crash into them, and then that part I enjoy. Then I, I you can kind of move along for me. I get it. Well, They're, they're going to probably not win. But let's just move on. For me, personally... 10 or 15 um, minutes of sword buckling and slashing and crashing. Well, in the second movie, Helm's Deep, the setup for Helm's Deep, which people don't know it, it's the big battle at the end of the second movie. The setup for it, because you know it's coming... I mean, they know that this army is coming. It's coming, slowly. By nightfall, it's going to be here, and you're going to have to deal with it. And and Helm's Deep say there's a mountain on one side of it so you can't get in it's it's like a lockdown fortress that's there's only one way to get at it it's built into the face of a mountain yeah and this army's coming towards it and our the good guys very few of them it's not it's not a massive army are holed up in it waiting for them to come and then the rain starts the battle commences to me that battle the way it's filmed the it's one of my favourite battle sequences in any movie. Like, I just think it's an excellent... It's well set up in a strategy... You know, I feel like it's like a video game. You know, you're locked in, waiting for the thing to happen. 
And then the battle itself is interesting. I find it interesting. And it ends on a high note, which I won't spoil. Some of it's interesting, but mostly it isn't at all. It's just more slashing. The things that interest me is to think, in real human history, when the... When the bad army comes, and they come with these big ladders, and they have a way to pulley them Which up. Which is very... Yeah, and you think, of course. Because in the past, there were castles and kingdoms that would build tall walls around catapults. them. Right, but the ladder thing particularly made me think, wow. Because it doesn't matter how big a wall you build. Somebody who wants in is going to get in. Yeah, and... And no matter what, it's hopeless. And the awesome bombs that they built to uh, blow up the wall. Yeah, and no matter what, it is hopeless. I mean, it really is. Because at some point, a bad... The, the foe can crush you. You know what I mean? And yeah, you know, whatever. If you want to throw in a happy ending here or there. But ultimately, you know what I mean? You're, so, well, I'm you're saying- ready for war at any time. And so and then that interests me. But then, you know, the little one-liners and the... And There's the, not too many of that. Not as much as I remember. down the thing. Oh, my God. I mean, it's real brief. And anything that's like... Anything that's cheesy is always uh, Legolas. Yeah. Legolas and the dwarf guy. Yeah. And, and it's... And it's... More brief than I remembered. I mean, they don't do it a lot. It's not like they're doing it every two seconds. Like no. Stupid stuff. I mean, and then there's the thing about dwarf tossing, which is, like, just thrown in there. Yeah, totally. But it's real brief what they're talking about. Um, but what I was trying to say was, I love that battle. I like the battles in these movies. I also... I just feel... And and these are the shorter cuts. That they're... This feel... The first two especially... The, the third one I don't feel though and the third one's the longest movie mm-hmm. it's three and a half hours the third one bre- breezed by for yeah me. moves by but there was the first one and the second one I just feel they can be tightened up because there were parts where I was like this there's w- scenes of them walking like you say about the what <laughs> scenes of them just walking and it, yes it looks really nice they're on the mountains and there's the snow but it just seemed like it could be tightened up for See, me. I think that of, was the tool he was trying to use to give you the scope. The, the of scope. The I think I got the scope without. But that. I didn't even. Even seeing all that, I still don't grasp in my mind how many, how long it has been. Except in the end, when they say thirteen months ago we started a journey. But as the journey goes on, I don't know. I don't know if it's ten miles or a hundred thousand miles. I don't know how far they're going. When they show it on a map, it's, it's just all right map, there together. Yeah. yeah, but it's all like chunked up there together, so I don't know. I feel so the me, scale with these movies. Though. I would have had more dialogue to explain to me how far we're going than to see it because I don't. I still. You can say there's a mountain, and I'm like, okay, climb over it. To, in my mind, it's like go ahead. But if you have somebody saying it's taken us ten days to get over this mountain, then I'm like, oh right, that is a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I got the scope of the movie. I just feel that it. You know. There are the, these extended cuts exist that are like fifty minutes longer. Each movie, I actually am happy with them as they are here. I guess the content, though, of some of those extended things is super quality to me. Telling you about Aragon. Yeah, and let's just and add that these extended items do not exist on this Blu-ray. Um, they're not in the extras. Really? Though. No, because this is not the extended. It's theatrical. I know, but why don't they have them on there as extras? Because they, that's not how it ex- in the Oh, someday they'll sell that, sell you that. On too. the DVD, they were cut back into the movie. They weren't extras. They were in the movie. I know, but movie. why aren't they extras on there? Because this is the, the they made very clear. This is the theatrical cuts of the movies. I know, but then you would take those scenes and make them like deleted scenes. That's not how he wants it. He wants... <laughs> there's two versions of Lord of the Rings. There's the one you saw in the theatres, like Star Wars, I guess. And then there's the extended cuts. 
Star Wars, there's the remastered cuts, isn't there? And then there's the originals. So I guess it's just, you know, which one you want to see. So, no, yes, there will be an extended cut on Blu-ray. Well, some of it's very valuable information because it explains a lot about yeah. that king and his two sons. I would say the more valuable information is to just read the books. Is massively important, I think, when you think about this love story with the elf girl and all of it. It's very important to know that he's. Yeah, I'd like to say human. the only the only thing in these theatrical cuts I feel that the that the I actually feel they should be slightly shorter, but that's just me. But the only thing I miss is um, Saruman, who play, is played by Christopher Lee. You don't really get a, um, what do you call it? Resolution. Resolution apart from him looking over a tower. I mean, I don't want to spoil things if you've not seen it, but I'm sure you have. But in the theatrical cuts, somebody like Christopher Lee, who's awesome, like, you know, it's Christopher Lee, for Christ's sake. He's a a big bad guy. There's no dealing with him. He doesn't get dealt with. Well, basically, the explanation is we're going to leave him yeah, it's just, locked but, in his but, tower. He's lost his power, so your my image of him is now he's just a broken old man, and he'll just wither away. Even that, though, it's just it's less. I didn't want another fight scene. I'm, I was done with the fight scenes. So. I wanted something, and you get it. And what I'm saying in is, you get it if you watch the extended cut. Right, right. And that, to me, those extended cuts, there are some. I've seen them, and there are some superfluous things, but there are some important yep. things also. I mean, I could do without them. There's a scene of them drinking and smoking the pipes that goes on a bit too long with the trees. Do you remember that? Yep. Um, things like that I could do without. But yeah, this the Saruman being dealt with and what you just said. The uh, the king and the two sons. And, and explaining what who Aragorn is. And, yeah. And his... He's not even human. Or if no. he's human, he's not. He's He can live a long time and yeah. you don't know that. He's like Doctor Who. Yeah. He actually is. He's not Time Lord. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd see him, you know, driving no. around in a blue box. But that kind of stuff. I agree that some of the movies could be trimmed. But then again, that's what sways people to think I think they're better than they are. Now, I think they're awesome. It's a spectacle. I love it. My problems start in the beginning. And I will give you a couple examples. I actually took notes after we watched them. It's so melodramatic sometimes. The actorly acting. In all three of them, really. But by the third one, I think we've kind of rubbed out some of the... What I call, like, stage acting performances and the weird... Uh, I'd say every, uh, time, you see, every time you see Orlando Bloom... And he does this. And he looks at the camera and the <laughs> camera sways head. around him. I mean, if he's gonna... He's, he doesn't open his mouth that often, to be honest. When he does, it's always some uh, ex... Position, he's gonna say. Mm-hmm. So the camera comes around like in this weird, like it's he, he stands on something, he puts his hands on his hips, like <laughs> old school um, movie star thing. He's all handsome. The camera comes up and he says the something clouds, that sounds ridiculous, like the clouds are darkening. Yeah, something is coming this way. We <laughs> must move, my brothers. It's real, it's real, like don't make fun of Legolas. He's one of my favorites. Well, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is, it's very him, dramatic. When he does open his mouth, it's always. Like, to further the story for the viewer. And it's very... It's, you even looked at me once and said, that just seemed funny. It did. <laughs> like, what he just said. No, it wasn't him. Um, when Aragon is... Like, when the hobbits have been crawled up into the woods, and then he they, they show up at this scene where all these... Or, or whatever they're called. Gork, what are they called? Orcs? Or, or orcs. Guys. Not orc guy, the orcs. Okay. Orcs, yeah. When uh, the... Doom guy goes and kills them all. 
and then he says, I'm sorry, but we killed everyone there. And then Aragon shows up and he's he's tracking what happened. Oh, they crawled over here. He's arranging. They so. crawled over there. But I, but I was like, oh my God, that just seems so silly. Yeah, that seems so cool overly serious. I'm telling the audience that this happened. And he's like, you know, I mean, it's awesome if you want to really go fantasy world on in your mind. And I just you can't go to. there sometimes. You really have to. And I, but this time I'm watching it. I'm like giggling. I'm like, oh, that's just so silly. But there was a lot of, there's a lot enough. of that. And it's like. Very no. melodramatic. The acting to me was, and I'm not a fan of the Frodo guy in the least. Not even a little bit. Elijah Wood. Not mm. in this movies anyway. There are very brief moments where I find him sympathetic or interesting. But because of him, I don't care about Frodo. And to be honest with you, when Sam's carrying him at one point and you see the volcano in the distance, I'm thinking, just throw him in. <laughs> just throw him in. He's got the ring around his neck. Everything will be fine. Barbecued Hobbit for tea. Correct. <laughs> I know there are people <laughs> cringing like Frodo is the hero, but I mean something. Maybe if I read the book, I'd have a different. No, yeah. Thing. Well, let's just let's end this little uh, point here with the Lord of the Rings won a bunch of Oscars, but none of them for acting. <laughs> yes, probably yes. for a reason. Correct. Um, what are some of my other notes here? Um. The, for the two towers. I didn't like it at all the first time I watched it. I remember thinking, oh, God, can we get through this? I actually didn't like it at all. Watching it again. And my least favorite part, the first time I ever saw them, was the trees. And I'm like, oh, this is so weird. And so this time, I loved that part. It's a heavy-handed message, isn't it? An ecological message about destroying nature, nature and all that. But this mom. time, for some reason, I was totally into them. And I wished I had less of the golem travel with uh, Frodo and Sam and more of the tree part. Even though it looked a little bit shaky sometimes, I was still interested in the... I'd like to see a movie of these tree shepherds and stuff. Now, I say, when we first watched these movies on the cinema, I was totally in awe of them and didn't really criticize nope, them. Me I have that, like, shiny new veil, like, this is something I've never seen. <laughs> the veil seen. is lifted, isn't it, when you yeah. see it again? No, yeah, yeah. It really is. Well, if you've seen it, for, if you've seen it for the first time in 2010 in high definition, I think you might think. What's all the hullabaloo about? No, because you know what? Like the, when it first started, the first uh, one, and it started, and the music and the, the vibe of the whole thing, I thought to myself in my mind, these movies are classic. It's like a classic. This all, this whole thing brings back this feeling for me. Yep. The mu- it's the music and the just the faces, just the immediate... I you agree. get a feel. And it, c- it continues throughout all three movies. You have this vibe. Because we watched two yesterday and then sat down to the third one today. And as soon as the black screen comes... and the, Yeah, as soon as that music starts, you get the vibe of The Lord of the Rings. So it's classic, I think. I think you, people in 40, 50 years' time will be sitting down watching whatever format it's on and going, these movies were pretty awesome. But I'm not sure about that. I, th- I feel that... I don't think unless you've lived the experience of the release of them, just like The Matrix, just like Star Wars, people of this generation, even me, because I didn't watch Star Wars when it came out, I will never have the feeling you do. No, I, I, I get never, that every time I watch yeah, it. Yeah, I will never have it, because I wasn't part of the big release. I didn't see it when it first hit the theaters. None of that. So I've only ever seen it as a second-generation watcher. And I think the same thing will happen with Lord of the Rings. And I do think that the special effects will to our eye and mind, will suffer in, in in future years more than it does now. They are real... They're still very, very high quality mm-hmm. in the special effects. More so, not the special effects, the actual where they've got extras in costumes and it's really yeah. going down. And Looks the, really good. 
the long shots of like uh, what's the name of that last city where they go? It's like carved in yeah, the that, side of the that's mountain. A, that kind of stuff, or Rivendale from a distance. All those things. Like you're those like places exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, all, I mean, I'm thinking to myself. Unfortunately, wow, that took some computer programming or oh, whatever. But I mean, it's something. really awesome. Yeah, that kind of stuff I like. It's just when you get into the motion of things. The motion of bodies moving and falling, that's when we... It's still an achievement. I, I did think at the end of the, fir- uh, the third one, when I'd finished watching it, I understand why it was technically people, mm. you know, for its day. And I'm not, it's not a long time ago, like I say. It's not like we're dealing with a film from 20 years ago even, is it? True. It's like 10 years ago. We've actually come a long way, special effects-wise, still in that short space of time. True. But, but I did get the feeling this is like a labour of love for the people who made it. It does look good. Yes, there are some problems now with a jaded eye going on a little bit. But overall, it stands as a cool story. Even though to me, the only thing wrong was it was slightly slow in in parts. I wanted the story to pick up. I I felt... It's editing for me. I wanted the editing to be tight. The parts when you go to Frodo and Sam, to me, are the draggiest parts. They're quite boring, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. boring. Little, there's a lot of glances at each other lot that you of don't glances. need. Like, yeah. Oh my god, there are so many glances all the time. There are a lot of these, and you can't see me doing it, but you can. Like, yeah, and I think that's why I'm saying when I was saying to you, edit it. <laughs> Wait, like tight Look that at the up. camera, and they tilt their head and they smile, or they do that stern look, or you know. Uh, yeah, and say very slow, deliberate things to each other for you, as a viewer, to get. Okay, these two guys love each other. Like. You know, they're like bros to the end. They're always going to be... <laughs> they're best friends. We yeah. know. We get it. Yeah, we get. I get that from the first From the instant day, that like... Sam jumps in the water to go to the boat at the end of the first one. And he's like, I'm going with you yeah, no I'm... matter what. Yeah. You know. We don't need any more of the so, holding him and the crying. And... I do think a lot of the um, Smeagol um, and them to just travel in. Oh, here's a swamp. we got to go across a swamp. Here's a thing. we got to go across a thing. Not a lot happens whenever they go across something. They just go across something. Smeagol says some stuff. It, um, I was going to say Sean Astin. Um, yeah, but my thing is, though, through those parts, Sean Astin, to me, shines brighter than Yeah, he's but good, but, he's I, awesome. but what I think is, like, he... The whole gist, and, like, it could be really cut a lot shorter than it is, is, like... We're following Schmeagle. He's going to double-cross us. Um, Sam knows. The fat hobbit. Knows the truth. Knows the truth. But Frodo is blinded by the ring. It's the same thing yeah. over and over again. And you're just like, okay, we get it. Yeah. And we don't need to see them looking lovingly at each other all the time. Like, <laughs> So that's what I'm getting about. I think about editing. It could be abbreviated slightly for me. Because there were parts of that, that hobbit traveling parts where I was thinking to myself... Can we go back to the battle? Me too. Or, oh my god, or yes. please God, let the next shot be Aragon saying something. <laughs> you know, because I like watching Aragon saying stuff. <laughs> or the king, you know, the king. Yeah, the king. I want to see so the awesome. king saying stuff. Like, I want that story back. You know, it's like, I guess there's a lot. And of... this time I was more interested in Merry and Pippin than I was in Sam, in, uh, Sam and... And they do Frodo. a good job of splitting them up so these parallel stories running yeah. alongside... That worked, but yeah, th- there are occasions where I, where you said, can you know, I, yeah, can we skip, <laughs> or can we just like, can we just know that Sam and Frodo are on their way, and then watch everything else, and then at the end, can we just see if they made it? Oh, can, 
Can Sam just knock Frodo on the head? <laughs> put him over his shoulder and just carry him to the end, and we don't see him anymore <laughs> until he gets there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's blasphemous! That is. Yeah. But, what yeah, other notes do it I does have happen? Here? That does happen. It does happen. This I have one. a couple of niggly questions, and this could go back to the book. Okay, but just I don't know. go and read it. Why isn't there more? Okay, we have a wizard at our disposal who in this tower knocks the shit out of Christopher Lee knocking each other around they're flying around in these weird poses and shit and knocking each other against the wall why they do then some break, he does some Gandalf break, break dancing, dancing. Yeah. Yeah. why then when you're in the middle of a big fucking battle can't Gandalf just knock the shit out of them all I always why actually, is there not more magic actually when Gandalf's got this awesome when he's Gandalf the White he's got this awesome um, staff staff that just looks awesome that you I believe to myself all the time that can just end a battle that thing exactly you just hold it up and everybody no he does one time he holds it up and the light comes out of it and the big birds fly the dragons fly away okay if you can do that why don't he do just pull the shit out of the big out of the eye in the sky what is the how is that not possible is he not powerful enough is it like is one of those stupid Star Trek or time travel rules or whatever it is where you can't interfere with the that's what I always get at like, but he does because he, he commands the army he tells them what to do he interferes with every other level but he's a powerful wizard and yet is he really you know what I mean he doesn't do anything and the other thing is when Elf Girl gives up her life force or whatever and decides to be mortal why then is she going away with the elves? Why I, don't, isn't... I don't get that. Either. And then in the, you know what I'm saying? It's just for drama. Is it like that in the book? Because I'm thinking, okay, you gave up your thing. Why now do you have to go on this boat with your family? And why not go with Vigo and live happily ever after and just both of you die? Yeah. <laughs> so those are a couple of my. This time I didn't. It didn't occur to me before. No. But this time because we had, I had a lot of time to think because there were lots of those scenes where I'm like, okay, I know where this is going and Gollum is getting on my nerves. So what can I think about in this moment? Um. And then the thing where the one chick takes off the helmet, she's like, I'm no man, you know? Now, she's a woman who makes comments throughout, why can't a woman go to battle? And, and she even has fight? to disguise herself yeah, to go into exactly. Why yeah. can't I fight for the people I care about? Is that in the book? Because I'm wondering, yes. J.R.R. Tolkien have some sense of, why is it only a man's woman? That is in the book. Okay, because I find that really interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And interesting in human history. Why do we send the men off and protect the women and children and the feeble, whatever? Do men just get their rocks off beating the shit out of each other and that's why there's war? Because there's always some asshole in the world who wants more power, more money, more space, or wants you to think what he thinks, right? But it's almost always a man. And other men have to build bigger walls and bigger guns, hide the women and children. It does, it does focus on that in Helm's Deep. Um, it even yep. shows you like lingering shots of... Women, Women and with children, children all, yeah, all, there's always all a, sad. And yeah, like, there's always a stray woman with a child and nestled Well, there's there. this whole thing where the camera pans across and there's loads of women and children in Helm's Deep and then it pans up to the brave men protected on the outside, right? So, yeah, there's a bit of both. Like, I say let the men just kill each other and let, let the women and children... Die in the air. No, let us go on and build a better <laughs> society. Well, without the men, they'd all be dead. With the... Oh, yes, of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> those... Without the assholes of the world, there would be no need for war. Uh, Let me see. I've got any other notes. Uh, That's it. And then, what did I say? The lighting? Oh, yeah. The one part that I'd forgotten about. when It lingered quite a while. When the Merry or Pippin uh, lit the torch thing. 
you know, and then it showed in the distance on tops of all these mountains, all these other torches lighting, and that looked cool, and it lasted a long time, but I also thought to myself, wow, you know, I wonder if in in real history, the Romans that did how, that. The Romans I mean? did it. You had a guard who had to sit and look over the mountains continuously to see if anybody lit their thing. That they is a did. true thing. You light yours, and then the army gets together, and so that was fascinating. Because there was no, like, uh, telephone to yeah, go, exactly. uh, excuse me, um, something's coming. And a rider getting, you know, 50 miles across the way to that next mountain wouldn't be fast enough. So I found that really fascinating. And that did last a long time in the movie. But I think it was yeah. to show the the, breadth the distance of it, really. of it and how it was set up, like how amazing something like that is, you know, that it's just simple, but yeah, yeah. you see it for miles. I like that part. I think that's, um, that might be all my notes. So, in, but in general, oh, like, the spider part I thought was kind of. In, ge- uh, in general, seeing all three movies back to back, almost. Well, we've seen them this weekend, all three in a row. A lot of hours viewing time. I think they're entertaining. Very. I think some people wouldn't be able to handle them all in a row like that. You know, I think, I think the the quality in general. I think there's um, there's it's not hundred percent quality. No, but like Star Wars isn't yep. either. Like, I mean. You know, there's dodgy parts in the Star Wars. The veil is lifted, I think, for me. Because I was noticing a lot of things. Like, when you do get up close with a lot of the orcs and the orakai, they look so Peter Jackson with the cheesy masks yeah. and stuff. They look good. If you watch Peter Jackson's old movies, Bad <laughs> yeah. Taste, Brain Dead... The teeth and the black um, and everything. He does cheap gore effects, which are quite good for what they are. Quite good. But he does the same thing in these movies. Almost like he said to them... I've done special effects that look good in a movie that costs nothing. So let's take some of that sensibility over here and make some cheap teeth and some cheap wigs. And but a lot more of them. A lot. Well, yeah, we've lot. also got to make a lot yeah. of them. So like, I think there's a cheaper way of doing it. Like, So let's try it. And then when you see them, sometimes you think... Some of them look really That's good. Rubber head. But then some of them look like exactly <laughs> like rubber heads, yeah. But some of them look really good. The oh, some really good like ones that talk... Look the ones really with the completely good. black faces with the horrible teeth. The to me, I get them. They look like real things. But then the kind of ones with the big noses and the big ears, they a just look like rubber heads. A couple of them look really awesome. Yeah. The ones who speak and are up closer, you, those look really good. Like, yeah. But then if they're just in the background, oh, there's a lot of them and they had to do hundreds of them. But and one still. thing I noticed this time is the battles themselves with the close-ups of them all stabbing and killing, they're not quite as gruesome as I thought they were. Mm-mm. They're actually There's quite... No blood. No, not really. There's heads flying off, and I, like I said to you, at one True. point, at one point, an intestine flew up in the air, and you said, oh yeah, that's yeah. typical Peter Jackson. But And then another time... It's not as gruesome as I thought it was. chopped heads came flying through the air, and you're like, that's kind of like one... So yeah, but it's not like Not a, only did we kill you, we're going to It's not like a bloodbath. Like, no. Like Braveheart is a bloodbath. It's more muddy than bloody. Yeah, it's more muddy, yeah. So I was surprised because I kept thinking... In my mind, it was really kind of gruesome. Like, there was brain arteries... family-friendly, really. It is, really. It's, you could show it to, you know, kids... Yeah. Older kids, not like tiny little kids, but older. I think you could. Those monsters are pretty. I mean, some of them—that's the idea, right? You want them to be scary. I really like the thing that the death guy rides on. Yeah, those are awesome. Yeah, you? those things, like look kind of like dragons, but like evil-looking dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liked that stuff, and they looked really good. They were some of the best when they were flying around and stuff. I didn't. I wasn't kind of like, oh, those are rubbery no, things. No, not at they, all. Those look like things. And the around. eagles looked really good. Even those those weird cat things, they looked a little weird in number two, but in the third one, when the army's just sort of marching yeah, and you got good. a couple on them, 
for a half a second, it didn't even occur to me that that wasn't a real animal. It's no. like this big like saber-tooth-looking weird thing, and it looked really good. No, but it wasn't ru- running around and knocking down. I've got to say, the worst shot, and we um, said this when we saw this theatrically, the worst shot of all three movies, and it's horrible, I don't even know how it exists <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the movie, it, it concerns the hobbits. And it concerns the like a ceremony right at the very end of of uh, the third movie. Oh my god! It's like it's almost like to me they um, they they were filming that, and those guys couldn't be there that day at all. Like so, they filmed them on a green screen and then slapped them in there because, like we said earlier, whenever you see hobbits, they kind of look wrong and stuff. Well, these don't even look like they're anywhere in the same no, vicinity. They're in another country. Weirdly as as. colored and and they're and the way it. they're looking, they're not looking at anything that's going on. They're just going like they're looking like right. side to side. Like somebody said to them, stand in front of this thing, and there's a lot of Everyone's stuff going be on. Bowing to you, there's so. a lot of stuff going on. So look as though and they're not on eye level with anybody. They're not looking at anybody. It's just weird looking. And uh, we saw it theatrically, and I turned to you when we were, and I said. Really? And you were like, ugh. And this time, I exactly the same reaction. It didn't look... It, it just looks really weird. And, and yes, we are sounding like we're criticizing a lot of things. But that's because... You, and we agree. We both think you take the bad with the good. Right? So, this movie's have been out for the better part of a decade. We get it. Most people listening to us talk about it have seen them. And if you haven't, you're going to see it or you're not. You're not going to not watch it because we say all these things. It's like... Well, I definitely take the bad with the good. Yeah, because the story, right? Even though I don't find it the most moving story of all time, it's, it's not very the most creative. complicated. It's like story. Harry Potter. It's like Star Wars. Someone yeah. has invented an entire world completely full of characters that are based on real life and based on fantasy, places that are built out of their mind that are combinations of imagination and real life and all this kind of stuff. And that's a whole world that I appreciate. I mean. Totally. And someone like Peter Jackson taking on the task of saying, you're going to make a movie of out of it. converting that's a, Yeah, it that's a big deal. I would never say read the book. I would never say watch the movie instead of read the book. I've never read the book. So I probably should read the books. But I'm saying, after you've seen them a few times, the shine wears off. And you, I take... It, the good stuff gets better. And the stuff that is not great gets worse. And that is just the way it is. I, I personally think, though... If over the whole nine, ten hours worth of it, that there's more good than yeah, bad. I agree. The bad parts are just few and far between. They just kind of stand out a little. Sometimes bit. it's not bad. It's just a little boring, like you said. Like the part I don't care about Frodo. Some, and that some kinda, parts are actually boring. Watching that story and not caring about Frodo. Now that's my mind. I don't care about him. I don't care that he's. Tormented. I personally didn't. I personally didn't care about him. I cared about him. On the level of everybody's quest, counting on him, counts on him. Yeah, right? so and I cared Sam about I that. cared about a lot. Yeah, because I liked him. But I cared about. I liked Aragon. I really like Aragon. Like I, I just like, you know. I mean, Vigo. he's like you like Vigo. Not, not just the cat. Not yeah, I do. But I just like him. Like I, I like their story. I think I, about it though. Aragon doesn't really say much or do much in the times when he does something he get to. faces the dead army he battles with these people and those people he says very little he's in love with the, the elf girl but you know like, what I mean what, what I really like about them him, Gimli 
and um, Legolas. Legolas. About all three of those dudes, is they are absolutely fearless. Correct. Um, even like if there's a billion people stood in front of them, they'll have a go. Like even the little dwarf guy, he'll just one time where he says, "We can take him." Yeah. And there's like more people than you could possibly imagine, and, and he goes in there and just wades Impossible in. Impossible odds. No chance of survival. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that the that idea that they're heroes. Was like, that a Star Wars reference? Because C-3PO gives them their odds at one point, and what's-his-name, Harrison Ford, says, don't tell me the odds. But C-P-O has just said, like, the odds or whatever. And then in this one he says, impossible odds, chance of death, certain, let's do it. You know, yeah. like, sounds like a good idea or something like that. But yeah, I like the idea of them being, like... And loyal to each other. Yeah, and just badasses. And, you know... What Aragon does in the third movie yeah. is badass. I mean, it turns the tide, like, what True. he organizes, you know? I, I When they show up, it is literally <laughs> one of the moments where you're like... Oh, thank God. Here they go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there are moments in the movie where... All the moments for me where I get excited are generally with Aragon's party, not with the Hobbits. Mm, yeah. You know, so... Or the king. You like the king guy. I do, and that's why I re- that's why I say to you that the second movie, now, I like the best because that whole, if I think it's like a, almost a two hour chunk of that movie where we meet the king and he's in that horrible state and then he rises up out of that and then they, I like all that deal and that king is, is pivotal actually when you, you know, mm-hmm. Return of the King. I mean, he's pivotal like he's in, not the king. No, but he's pivotal in the, sure, even in the third movie. So, and I really like that actor. Anyway, moving on to actors. We'll just oh, go dear. through actors yeah. quickly. Uh, Hobbits. My notes. Hobbits, we've got uh, Sean Astin, Billy Boyd, um, who else? Elijah Wood, and we didn't write the other one down. Four Hobbits, right? Yeah. Hobbits, uh, Hobbits right? Um, I definitely don't like the technology they, they use for Hobbits. Oh, to shrink them down? Yeah, I think maybe they could do it better now or something. No, not really. It was just... (laughs) Not usually. No, it was like... It was like optical illusions they were trying to pull on you. And there's one point when... I think it's Pippin has just picked up that magic ball and he's all freaked out and Gandalf's hand is supposed to be laying on the side of his face, but it's... Yeah, it's odd. There's a lot of odd perspective stuff. Anyway, we're not talking about it. We're talking about acting. I thought they were all okay. They're very actorly. I'm not... Very actorly. Very, to me, very stage acty. But then again, I think Peter Jackson likes that sort of overly... I think this story needs... This story... Yeah, the way he's telling this story serious. is how he wants it, isn't it? Like, how he wants people yeah, to behave. Yeah, you don't want it to be gritty, I suppose. You want it all to be fantasy and overacted. Yeah, which it very is. Um, stage, like you say. Yeah. You know, Shakespearean or whatever, you know? Um, that's a bit of a stretch, but... I don't mean... I mean, the way you... The way you deliver it. Yeah, the way you would... Yeah, you would, like... uh, What's it called when you project? Really big... Everybody does that. Everybody does that. Pretty Um, much, yeah. So, uh, second on the list there, I've got Kate Blanchett as Gadriel. Gadriel? Um, She has an amazing voice. Obviously, she's the the first thing you hear as Lord of the Rings starts. I really love that opening with her voice over the... It's one of the best parts of the movie. But here's my question. If she's the elf witch, queen, or whatever she is... Why can't she just put an end to it all? I don't. She's understand. not much help, is she? Throughout she doesn't the do anything except do this all the time. Yeah, 
I do. I do she like. She tilts her head and she's glowing and she puts her hand out with the perfectly manicured fingernails, and there's nothing much to it except that you know she's. Is she powerful? Oh. Is she not? I don't know because if she's so powerful, poke the big eye in the sky and get it out of the way. You know. <laughs> Orlando Bloom is Legolas Greenleaf. I didn't realize his second name was Greenleaf. Um, he's the range. No, archer. Mm-hmm. Is that a ranger? No. Um, he is Orlando Bloom, but British. He does it with yeah. He does it with uh, yeah, an air of sort of dignity, I suppose. At times, so it would be hard. I think. Yeah, it's, I was just trying to think. Orlando Bloom in Pirates of the Caribbean. It's yeah. kind of similar. I mean, uh, no. I mean the way he's he, not the way. He, Acts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he does a lot of stepping on rocks and then like and with his foot. <laughs> Hands on the hips, <laughs> <laughs> like the like the hero. Pose. Think of that guy. He does Lord of the Rings and Pirates of the Caribbean. Holy yeah, shit! He did all right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's all right. Uh, oh, fa- I like it. I like him. In fact, everybody we're going to mention, we're probably going to say, "Oh yeah, they're all right." Uh, Bill, um, we've got Ian Holm as Bilbo Baggins. I love Ian Holm. Yes. Um, Ian Holm. Arguably, the scene between he and Gandalf at the beginning. The best grounded acting of the movie I think except a lot of the Sean Astin moments he's actually like it's more uh, not gritty there's no grit but I mean more identifiable than the act it's not overly actorly and I think that Gandalf in the beginning the Bilbo and and we don't forget that one guy either and then we've got Christopher Lee as Saruman. Um, I love Christopher Lee. I have done since, like, the 60s horror films where he was in, like, when he was Dracula and stuff. Um, but, you know, you don't get a resolution with him here, I guess. Keep talking. No, do you like... Um, I don't, I'm neutral on him, to be honest with you. Okay. You know, I, I like Christopher Lee in Star Wars, too. Dooku. Count Dooku. Um, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, based on what I've seen, he's just a little overrated. Because if it's just Christopher Lee being intimidating and dressing up, then yeah, he does a great job of that. I don't see a lot of... And a lot of that... Oh, acting. But what what's what else is there? Well, Other than the presence of Christopher Lee. I don't see a The quality. presence is good, though, I think. Is it quality? Or is it just because he is who he is? I, I don't know. I just... I, I like to see him in stuff. So, um, next up, we've got Andy Serkis' Gollum. Andy Serkis is uh, a character actor, actor, but he's in a movie just recently um, where he plays Ian Jory from Ian Jory and the Blockheads. Now, I've always thought to myself, Andy Serkis, it reminds me of Ian Jory. You don't know Ian Jory, do you? No. Ian Jory uh, and the Blockheads are a famous punk band from Britain uh, in the, well, around the Sex Pistols era who did uh, Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick. Have you ever heard that song? It's real famous. Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick. Probably. Anyway, I always thought that he'd make a good Ian Jory. This was before I even knew he'd made an Ian Jory film. And then the other day I was watching something, like at the movies or something, and at the end it said, here's a clip of Andy Serkis's Ian Jory in this new movie. And I'm like, holy shit, he's made that movie. <laughs> so I'm excited to see that. And Andy Serkis is Gollum here. And uh, Schmeagel Gollum... Um, I liked him I'm re- making a bad face because it just, just I, mean, this I would was, rather have seen the guy just dressed up and being which weird which he did looking. at one point 
No, I mean, as Gollum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just dressed, scantily dressed, and moving around and with weird makeup on him and just leave it at that. Now, this was a groundbreaking performance at his time because nobody had done this, um, what do you call it, Uh, motion capture character performance. It was like the Matrix pioneer, the bullet time camera work. Mm. Lord of the Rings uh, premiered this, um, an actor doesn't just do a voice performance for a CG model, he does the performance. They had dots all over him, motion capture. Then they cover him with Gollum. In yeah, and then they do it afterwards. So the performance is really him. Movements and acting voice. Um, I think it's good in parts, but I think the technology of it wasn't fully matured yet. I think it could be better now. I agree. But I, Andy Serkis's performance had nothing against. Exactly. Because... You know, like you said, he annoy- it's annoying, and he he's kind of hard to watch. The best That's moment the idea is when he's it. arguing with himself in the in the second one, and I that I liked. I liked that scene where he's talking to him, talking himself out of being good, or talking himself out. And of he kind of cures himself at one point. Yep. I love that. You talking Go about away that and never come back. And again. then he's yeah. like, ah, ah, I'm free, I'm free, and he's like all excited. Yeah, that's re- it's a really. I mean, that's a performance. It's creepy, with just but him. it's good. Yeah. But yeah, I, I have nothing against it. And I think when you knit it on the head where you said, it's hard for me to... I'm kind of repulsed by him. And that's the idea. It's, he's he's a man... He's broken, isn't he, completely? He's been so... Consumed with it. The ring is... Like, as a hobbit, because he was a hobbit originally in his life, this is what happens to a hobbit when they are, like, corrupted by the ring. And even they just Bil- become broken. Bilbo evil, shows a... Um, like, a lonely... Like an alone, like on their own, they There's just absorb else. it. Nothing happens. But when a man gets a hold of it, they become like this overpowering, warmongering, yeah. want to dominate the world. Whereas hobbits, as it seems, it just all goes into them. You know what I mean? Like so, Andy Serkis's Gollum. Um, I really want to see this Ian Jory film. I'm not actually know the title of it, but I definitely have to see that. It's just come out in the theaters in England. Um, Ian McKellen as Gandalf the Great, or Sir Ian McKellen, let's say. Um, he's like Christopher Lee, right? He's he, um, imposing. There's a lot of these looks with the squinty eyes theatrical. and nodding his head and a little bit of a grin. There's a lot of that. Yeah, there is a lot of that in these movies. And that, you know, I said that it almost feels like too slow sometimes. Like, it's because of that. Like, he, Peter Jackson does a lot of. We need 30 seconds of Gandalf's face doing this, not five seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you will get it. If it's 30 seconds long, you will get the grandiose of this moment. I think that's the deal. Yeah, I agree. And I think sometimes it doesn't it doesn't need to be that long. Because I get it in five seconds, so why do we have to look at his face? He's a romanticist, I think. Yeah, and I, and I think King Kong has exactly the same problems. Oh, yes. No, it has the same problems. I'm not talking about, like... I agree. I'm talking about it goes on a bit too long. Yep. It's three and a half hours. It, it could have been condensed more. Even though we love long movies, don't get it. Yeah, I love love long movies. movies. But sometimes long movies feel long. King Kong does feel long. It does. And I, I'm, King Kong, I love King Kong. I mean, when (laughs) I knew Peter Jackson was making King Kong, for about two years I was saying to you, we're going to see King Kong soon, Peter Jackson's doing it. And then when I saw it, I liked it, but it wasn't the best thing I've ever seen. I mean, I still like the original King Kong. Me too. Which we watched on the black and white one we watched. Yeah, um, I like the the other one better, but I'm for I like the original one. I think it's cool. I mean, um, I like the one with uh, Jessica Lange. Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn. 
He's my favourite character in the entire thing. And I can't tell you why. I just think Vigo's really good anyway. You want to be him, I think. I think he throws himself into the... He, he throws himself into a part. You can tell. He's one of those oh, intense he the, guys. He drinks from her cup and she's looking at him all longingly. And he's shit, really and intense. Like, oh. like, and you, I mean, one of, one of my favourite films that we've watched, Eastern Promises, where he plays the Russian gangster guy. Well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he's intense as shit in that one too. I mean, he's... Everything I've seen him in... Um, a history of violence. Yeah. He's just Mr. Intense, isn't he? And I feel I feel of him like a Robert De Niro character who is method like, you know. I mean, not I'm not talking about Robert De Niro now in Meet the Parents and stuff. I'm talking about when he did Raging Bull and that. You know, somebody who You mean the two movies that have made him a Robert De Niro. Yeah, taxi. Raging Bull Taxi Driver. Those days where an actor lives that part for Some actors. Yeah, but I feel that he does, and uh, it shows in the performance because I always wanted to see him, like an. Even bottom. like Hidalgo, I liked Hidalgo. I did like Hidalgo, even though it's not. It like, little, it's, it's a bit, <laughs> you could look at that again now and probably say, "No, I don't really like that." It's a little long too. Um, then we've got John Rhys Davis as Gimli. John Rhys Davis is in a lot of sci-fi stuff. He was in a a game called uh, Wing Commander that I used to love back in the day. He was uh, in there as full motion video. I don't understand exactly how they do him. What do you mean? Like, because John Rhys Davis is like a six and a half foot tall man. Just the same way they do the others. They put a little person. Well, he's pretty, a, he's done pretty well though. Yeah, well, he's got a lot of hair and stuff. So I, I never think, think I never think, uh, I, and, I, and I always know it's John Rhys Davis behind the, you know, because it's totally him, like. But I never have a problem with him. I never think. Oh, but like, you know why? Because his his proportions. Because he's not a skinny little dude. So when they show him from a distance, or show him on a horse, or show him in in relation to someone from behind, they've put in a little person who is the same shape as him, right? Yeah. So when you go to the thin twenty something hobbit dudes who are acting as hobbits, and then you show. An outer, uh, you know, yeah, just a different proportioned guys, human being, yeah, and then a, a you know, it, that's what makes. Well, it. I think they did a good job of him, and I actually mm-hmm. like his performance too, even though it's cheeky. In Very parts. cheeky, yeah. Um, I still think that the character of Gimli and what he stands for comes through with the, with yeah, the, you know, the brave. Like, is that, I'll, I'll is say, it brave or is it just hard is he brave wired? or is he stupid or is he? And he, he has this little, like, uh, competition with the elf. Elves can't get one over on him. He's yeah, always yeah. got to be better. You know, I, I really like him. Uh, Liv Tyler is our win. Um, eh. Beautiful. Very beautiful. Uh, she says a whole lot less than I think people have the impression that she says in the movies. She doesn't I think do so, much. too, yeah. Uh, a lot of lingering glances of her face. Oh, my God. Long time <laughs> looking at her face. Long time looking at that face. Um, Straight on with the... Soppy eyes yeah, and tear rolling down, and, and the kissing, and there's a little bit of talking. I like I like the idea of elves who can't live forever. Of course, they're not. You can kill them, but I mean, they're immortal if they keep this life force or what? I don't know the elf thing, but I found her role. I think in people's mind, the perception you magnify it a lot more than it really is. She is incredibly beautiful, though. I've got to say, like a face. I like 
there's something enchanting about it. I can just look at her. Like, I mean, in this movie especially. Like, I was saying, in this movie, yeah, because she's all glowing and shit yeah, she all the time. And shit, yeah, she's not enchanting in real. If you saw I just think she store. is in Jersey Girl and stuff. You know, she, I just find she's her just like a... She's a normal a, girl. No, I find her very beautiful. I don't know. Oh, like the way I like that one guy that I've looked up his name. I find him very beautiful as well. David Wenham, who plays um, the... Uh, David Wenham is Faramir. He's the brother of the... Yeah, you know who he is. He's the brother of... The one he almost burned alive. That guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah. I like him a is lot. Is he English, that guy? I don't know. So... I like uh, him. That's what I wanted to see more of him. I really like. Yeah, him. he wasn't really... David Wenham. He did have a... It was a crucial thing in the story, but he wasn't in tons of scenes. No, but he's in a big chunk that's in the non-theatrical yeah, thing. Yeah, he is. If you catch that on DVD... He's very sexy. See. Um, Hugo Weaving, who uh, I like to refer to as Agent Smith, um, plays... Like the most furrowed brow oh, of anyone ever. Is that like a prosthetic, do you reckon? I think, like so. I think so. It's, it's like, his forehead is so humongous. And but there again, Agent Smith down. is also like that. He's like... <laughs> yeah. He scowls a lot in this movie. I, I think he's actually great in this movie. I like that guy a lot. Great? Yeah, I really do. I think... Um, he doesn't have a lot of scenes, but mm-hmm. what he does have a, a quite stuff that he says is quite. He just important. stands up really straight, and he says his lines with a great amount of authority. Like and Smith. with that look, like Smith. with the eyebrows down. I actually he, rate him. And then him. at some point, he smiles. I actually rate him as Agent Smith. A lot of people didn't didn't like him, but I actually really I despise him. him in the third one. But that wasn't his fault. It was because he was a hundred generated. He was rubber. Oh my god, time. it was horrible. But that's another movie. Um, uh, Elijah. There's another Wood. guy who got lucky. Not lucky, but he's in the Matrix, and then in the three. Elijah Wood, we already mentioned. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, no offense, because I loved uh, Green Street Hooligans, but. No, I liked him in Sin City, but he didn't say anything. We just, we just <laughs> got to that. So. But in Green Street Hooligans, he was fine. It was really, it was good. Yeah. It was a good movie, and he did a good job. Yeah, it, it was a good movie. Um, Sean Bean as Boromir. I like Sean Bean. Me too. Um, always have done. He's been in some great British movies that you will have never seen. Um, he's been on TV in Britain, a sharp. In Fifty First Dates, I think he's fucking hilarious. Fifty Serious. First Dates. He's a, he's a brother. He's on like steroids, and he has like a lisp, and he keeps wearing those really short tops. Is that him? Yeah, that's him. Sean Bean. Yeah. No, not Sean Bean. Who are we talking about? Sean. Oh, they said Sean Aston. No, you're t- no Sean Bean. I'm talking about Sean Aston. Yeah, no, no. I was gonna say. <laughs> And now I remember. Right. But no, Sean being somebody completely different. He's the guy from uh, James Bond. James Bond. Yes, yeah. I know. <laughs> Um, I really like him. I like Sean I've, Bean as well. Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. He and Vigo can go head to head for the intensity. Yeah, they can. Really intense. Sean Bean, Sean Bean. And those characters are pretty. In- <laughs> Boromir is pretty intense. In fact, it's Boromir's brother that I like, though Faramir. Yeah, right. Uh, Brad Dorif as Grimer Wormtong, which um, Billy, the Doctor from Deadwood, or Billy, or you could say Billy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, in this, he's. Creepy. Oh, he's creepy. Yeah, he's good. I've been around a long time. Very actorly as well. (laughs) And then finally, I'd put Carl Urban as uh, Ioma. I like Carl Urban. Me too. Remember him from Doom. A lot of people probably didn't see Doom. It was good. It was pretty intense in this one. Yeah, and in this... So you're not even bringing up Sean Astin? We already said him. Oh, Sean Astin's awesome. When we went through the hobbits, he was awesome in the uh, in the fifty date, fifty first dates. Yeah, I, I know him now. Yeah, where he has the <laughs> belly shirt kind of like. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I remember. 
Um, and directed by Peter Jackson, who we all know and love from... Um, Sean Astin King- was also in The Goonies. Correct. So, uh, Peter Jackson's movies, we've mentioned this before when we did the District 9 review. Uh, he didn't direct District 9, but he had a lot to do with it. But um, he did Bad Taste, which was his first movie, which is, if you've not seen it, you should. Because you'll see... It's not Lord of the Rings. You'll see where Lord of the Rings comes from, though. I agree. Like, camera work, special effects, while they're not on the quality of Lord of the Rings, they are like an early version of him doing that. And keep in your minds, as you're watching Bad Taste... It costs no money. And it was a The Frighteners. Project. And uh, Dead Alive, or what do you call it? Brain Dead. Brain Dead. Those the move. Those and uh, Heavenly Creatures, right? Heavenly Creatures is amazing. It's that was the only movie. movies that he had to present to the people who gave him a third of a billion dollars. Yeah, One third hard. of a billion dollars to do Lord of the Rings. Movies. No, it's it's hard to. Uh, I've I, I don't know how this deal went down. It's a mystery. Because <laughs> I was good, a, but... I was actually a fan of Peter Jackson when Bad Taste came out. Because I was really into gore movies at the time, like, and I still am in a way. But this bad taste came out. You'd never seen it. I saw it. I immediately went and bought a copy of it because I just thought it was like the best thing ever. It's terrible. It's really. terrible. But it's like a student movie. I mean, it's cheap, but it the story is cool, and the gore is like out over the top. And then Brain Dead's like a, um, like a. Like he mastered the art. Like if you want to see a gory movie that's fun and really gory, brain. Yeah, I think you and I just disagree on what gore is. Lots of fake blood and things chopped up doesn't mean gore to me. Gory is more when you do a realistic horrible yeah, thing well, to a person. This is like more comedy it's like horror. Fake gore. But it's like really over the top. Like you've yeah. never seen so much blood flying. Buckets of fake blood, yeah, buckets of crazy. body parts, yeah. Like an evil dead style thing, you know, it's yes. crazy. Um but if you want to see some cool horror movies, Bad Taste and Brain Dead are the ones. Heavenly Creatures is for me where <clears throat> I was a big fan of Peter Jackson, and then I heard that he was it made a new movie, and I was thinking it would be a horror movie, Heavenly Creatures. I had no, I didn't know what it was about. I went to the cinema, and it was the first time um, Kate Winslet had been on the screen because they say introducing Kate Winslet, and I think the movie's my favorite it's Peter awesome Jackson. you know those there are creatures that they encounter or in their fantasy world or they whatever fantasy they're thing. very very much Peter Jackson even later you see it in Lord of the Rings the uh-huh. style of how they create as a true based on a true story Heavenly Creatures it's about two girls who get into some dark stuff let's say but it's it's a really interesting movie and not what I expected because I went in thinking it was going to be a horror movie and right. when I came out I was like well yes it's got some gore in it but it's a character piece, and his new movie, uh, The Lovely Bones, which we've not seen yet, that's the one that just came out, I'm excited to see, because anything he does, I think, is, there's something there, you know? Hmm. So, uh, and he also did District 9, produced, and had a big hand in, but, you know, District 9 is another uh, groundbreaking movie, right? I agree, and it has the technology from the Gollum thing, where they put the dots all over the dudes, and then put the, and let them do the acting, and then cover them with the seat. And you have to character. say, Peter Jackson's also responsible for Weta, who, yeah. which is a workshop that probably does half of the special effects in movies nowadays, them and Skywalker. Like, they're the ones who make all the axes and the guns and the hand, the creepy And special effects and, and computers. Stuff. and You know, I mean, he turned his small little horror film thing into, you know... He, now he, Like they said, now he's like... Uh, 
people class him alongside Spielberg and George Lucas. Like he's uh, uh, what people? I don't think the quality. is Well, there. as a player in the film industry, I mean, Peter Jackson's a guy who can get your movie made. A mogul, they said. Mm. You know, he's he's a bigwig now, isn't he? He's made one of the this what we just reviewed. Yeah, one of the biggest movies. Of I wouldn't all time. classify him in the same class as those guys. Though, what about really? Cameron? No. Yeah, I would. I think he's right up there. Um, DVD extras. Now, I wouldn't. That doesn't matter. Okay. I wouldn't um, go into DVD extras. Uh, well, actually, let's let's mention the uh, Blu-ray of this uh, Lord of the Rings. It's nine discs. Three. It's in two um, boxes. One is uh, digital copies which I don't particularly care about. This this three discs dedicated to the digital copies. And then there's six discs in the other box, which is the three movies on Blu-ray and a special features disc for each movie on standard DVD. Which boggles my mind, because this is a Blu-ray set, but, like, six of the discs are DVDs. Anyway, it's in this really awesome... This box, uh, that's not cheap, is it? I mean, it's like a... it's, It's in this... Slipcase that's like made out of like triple cardboard or something. Thick cardboard. Ooh, fancy. You know, I mean, it's not like any other one I've seen. They're usually mm. a real flimsy. This, it's actually hard to get the discs out because it's so solid. Um, but the extras, I'm not going to go into them. They will be on the review this week. But there's nothing new. It's everything you got in the original release on DVD. It, basically, the, it's those discs. Right. You just repress them. Um, there's one extra that's new, and it's a trailer for a new Wii game, Aragon's Quest, that's coming oh out God. this year, which isn't very exciting. No. So, but you love Aragon. Yeah. So Aragon. Get, yes, it's in an awesome box set. Um, you can get this for sixty dollars online, which I think is actually pretty good if you like Lord of the Rings for all three movies plus, mm. you know, fifteen hours, sixteen, seventeen hours of extras. Um, but one thing I have to say, um, in high definition, they're a bit of a mixed bag, um, you know, in terms of picture quality. I thought the audio was fine. Um, and the audio is an upgrade from the DVD, by the way. It's like in DTS 6.1 now, which does sound really good. I mean, there's battle sequences. You're right in, in you know, as long as you've got a good sound system, you're right in the battles. Um, but picture quality, I believe... In, it's really inconsistent. Some shots are nice and sharp and detailed, and some shots look like they've vaselined over. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Totally. Now, I don't know if that's intentional as part of the movie, like, but you know when we've watched other movies and said to ourselves, like Sherlock Holmes, and we've said, wow, that looks so good in high definition. You can see every wrinkle on somebody's face. On this, I've, it looks like people's wrinkles are hidden completely. Right, but that's because it wasn't made in high definition, No, it right? was. It was made on, like, film, which is as high definition as you can possibly get. Right, but they weren't making it for high definition. No, uh, film is the high, as high definition. No, what I'm saying is, though, they didn't plan for it as in high definition. Like, nowadays, they know when you're making... I mean, I'm sure the technology has to have to have changed. Well, I think is. When it's been transferred, and also that box is really awesome. It has some kind of weird hologram effect to it with the ring. But um, what what they've done here is there's something called DNR, which is digital noise reduction, which when somebody's doing a transfer of a movie, they can apply it to certain scenes or all of the scenes, whatever, to, like, make, make it not look as grainy or make it not look as sharp. Now, we've seen high definition movies that look sharp as a razor you couldn't even fault them 
This one doesn't look like that, so don't think when you buy Lord of the Rings on Blu-ray it's going to look like a 2010 Sharper's Attack because it doesn't. It does it does in parts and it doesn't in parts and it was kind of distracting sometimes for me because I was like, this right. scene looks brilliant, this scene doesn't. And when you do see Liv Tyler's face super up close, it is not a high definition shot. It is a totally Vaseline. Yeah, she's, she's, she's been There's digital no poor, There is no, not a poor to be found. In fact, a lot of the hobbits... They look like, and I haven't said to you, especially that last scene, but even throughout, I've been watching Bewitched on DVD, and they've colored some of the ear, and when they apply color to skin... Yeah, it looks weird. It's like it gets rid of, like, as I'm looking at you, there's there's shadows and shades all over your face. Every inch of your face has a different shade of color. You're not just skin color. And that's what it seemed to do to a lot of people. So what I'm saying is this isn't the best looking... I I... When they kept, they've been bragging about Lord of the Rings, it's going to be like on Blu-ray, and you're going to be astounded by how it looks. I was underwhelmed in that in that respect. It does look detailed when it sometimes, mm-hmm. like like because I was saying to you, you know what, like scenes of Gandalf's face close up, they look really detailed, mm-hmm. which is really weird. Oh, Armor scenes of Ar- as Ar- uh, Aragon close up, you can see every bit of beard. Um, Armor looks really good. Some of the long shots look good. Some of the long shots look blurry. Yeah, blurry. Yeah, yeah, like it's out of focus almost. Yep. Um, so it's mixed. And I, f- I also found that out of the three, in my opinion, the second one looked the best mm. overall. Um, contrast and all that stuff look good, but it's, n- it's not impressive. Like, like, I know, and they've just announced that Star Wars is coming to Blu-ray. Now, I, I've got high hopes for Star Wars to look amazing because Lucasfilm are generally on the ball with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm going to be underwhelmed on that I think one you too. Are. Maybe the old ones, but the new ones probably look brilliant, but, you know, because they weren't made that long ago, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, as a Blu ray overall, <clears throat> if I had to rate it like out of 10, I would give it like a 6 because. But is that because of the Blu ray or because the movie just looks like that? I no, bet it just looks that way. Because of no, it, I've I've investigated a little bit about this, and when they've done comparisons with the DVD, the DVD looks better on occasion, which is weird. So, and the other thing I can't kind of forgive is like all the extras discs are just the DVDs that you already had. If you, chances are, if you buy Lord of the Rings on Blu-ray, you probably already bought it on DVD, also, right? So you're just getting yeah. the same thing, really. I, I think they could have added something new apart from that video game trailer, surely, right? Even if it's just an introduction by Peter Jackson telling you about how yeah. they put it in HD or whatever. But there's nothing. There's literally nothing. Now, they've also announced there will be an extended cut Blu-ray in the future. Maybe that's where they're saving everything for. But as far as this one goes, if you want the straight-up movies in high def, they're going to look better than the DVD, no, no denying. They sound better for sure. $60 seems all right to me. Because you've, you've got 20, you know, I think it's 20 hours of extras altogether. Mm. If you've not bought this already, this is probably the one to buy. It's in a nice box set. It's $100 generally, but I've seen it for 60 60 seems all right. $20 a movie, right? Um, Long movies? Good value? In my opinion, no. I think at this point, they are, they should be just uh, an affordable, they should be like 10 bucks a movie. So that set should be $30. What, if they took the extras out? Nope. Leave it all in there. It's been around almost 10 years. It's a classic. He's made 
billions of dollars. Just let everybody have it cheap and get over it. Hmm. See, I don't see how that would ever happen, but... I'm not saying it will. I'm saying that's my... Opinion. I know they've priced it at 100 and they've already dropped it to 60 I think if you're a fan, it's a good 60 spent, but just think about it. Down the road, you're probably going to be spending 60 again Correct. for these extended editions. So uh, they have done a nice job. But for me, six discs being normal DVD when you're buying a Blu-ray set, that just seems a bit like you're not buying rude. a Blu-ray. It's just rude. Like you're not buying a Blu-ray set. So that's what I have to think about the the uh, Blu-ray. So, um, yes, there are a lot of DVD extras, um, and it would be hard to go into them all. Will you, will you go into them all in the review? Yeah. No, probably not individually, but I will cover as many I've as I I've rolled them down on the template like what each thing is mm-hmm. and it's pretty self-explanatory anyway. I know we've watched a lot of it yeah we watched past. all of it yeah on on. Uh, in fact I think it's self-explanatory most of the time with extras the extended version. unless something is particularly good or particularly lame I don't really think it needs a comment this but. has a lot of extra the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings movies which we own the the four disc blue of the DVD sets they actually contain more extras than this set also. <laughs> nice. Because they're the extended... They they do extras on the extended parts also. So this is as less extras than that set, which is on DVD for like 20 bucks a piece, you know? So it's up to you, really. If you want the high-definition movies, this is the one to get. Because um, most people prefer those theatrical cuts, apparently. I mean the extended cuts, because there's more detail. So um, thank you to Warner for providing the uh, Blu-ray for review. And... Next week's review will be Pirate Radio on Blu-ray, or to you British people, The Boat That Rocked, which is the new movie from the director of Love Actually, which stars everybody from Love Actually. <laughs> it so, does not. There's a lot of them. Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it. There you go. He's not in Love Actually. Um, what's he called? Uh, Antor Deck guy's in it. You know? <laughs> yes. Think. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that one. Pirate Radio. David Jones. Yeah. Bill Nighy. Bill Nighy. <laughs> It was called Pirate Radio in the States. It was called The Boat That Rocked in Europe. So, wherever you are, that's the movie we'll be reviewing. Um, So, conclusion for Lord of the Rings. I say, after all this time, it's still worth a watch. But I think the next time I watch it is in another ten years. It's not a film I'm going to drag out every week and watch again. No. It's a bit too... It's a big investment to watch. It is a big investment, and to be honest, even though the experience, we went to all the midnight showings, we enjoyed them every time, it wears a little more thin because I realized the payoff as a whole isn't as big as the the thing of watching them. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of individual like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, look at that. Oh, I like him. Oh, I like her. But because I'm not that invested in the whole of the story necessarily. I also feel like we've progressed quite a way from... I'm interested to see what the two new Hobbit... the new. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how they will be now. Now we've moved on in special effects. You know, I'm, I'm inter- I definitely want to see another installment in The Lord of the Rings. I don't even think it's a special effects issue. I think it's like you said, the pacing, the timing... Um, someone revered those moments of glances and looking and building character things without building character more than they valued the pace of the movie. Okay, so that's what we think. I think the Blu-ray's fine. I think it's pretty underwhelming picture quality-wise. I, I, me personally, if I'm going to have to buy it again, like the definitive version down the line, I might skip this one. Mm. You know? Yes. Yeah. 
now I've got two full copies of Lord of the Rings. Do I really need three? All right. You know? So, okay, uh, games and Ace Scully stuff this week. Not very much this week, apart from I've been playing Infamous on the PS3, still tackling through that. Uh, it's about a 90-hour game, apparently, so I'm not going to get through it. And now, the big beef I wanted to get out this week was I've been playing Splinter Cell Conviction, which is a new Splinter Cell game, which I said to you, I think they've ruined Splinter Cell. That's um, sad, because you really liked it. Yeah, I've always liked Splinter Cell, but what made Splinter Cell Splinter Cell they took out of this game? Which is really weird, because, like, to me, right, there's tons of first-person shooters or third-person shooters, but Splinter Cell was a sneaky stealth game, right? That was what it was, like. it. So, But they've decided people don't really like sneaky stealth games. They want to shoot people. So they took away the sneaky part and added the shooting. So what happens here is you can sneak around half the time. Now, the original Splinter Cell games, you could go through the entire game without killing anybody if you wanted to. Right, if you wanted yeah. to play it that way, you could sneak past people... You could just tranquilize people. You could get through without ever... Now, in this one, you're basically encouraged to kill everybody. Which, to me, isn't Sam Fisher, like... Even though they've done some things with the story to kind of say, no, he's pissed off now, this is what he does. I feel like it. it's not right. It's like you, they took your favorite character and turned him totally different. Yeah. Um, they killed off his daughter in the last game, and in this game... Don't tell anybody. You're looking for his... You're... No, well, in the I've told you last week in the opening scene, it's told to you that the daughter probably is not dead, even though you think felt she was for the entire last game. So you're looking for the daughter, so that's why he's pissed off and he's not working for the government anymore. But it took away the game mechanic that mattered, which was the sneaking, and then it just makes it like any other shooting game. So, and it's also the single player campaign is five hours long. Now, for $60, to me, that's, mm. like, insane. Because I'm right near the end I of mean, it. that's a cheap experience for a lot of money. Yeah, a Splinter Cell game that you possibly would buy because it says Splinter Cell on the cover because you liked Splinter Cell. Then realize it isn't really Splinter Cell. And then realize it's over in five hours. To me, that's bad. Now, there is a co-op um, game also included in the box, which is, like, you play it with your friend online or split screen and it's a totally separate story but it doesn't involve Sam Fisher so who cares anyway right it's these other two guys right so overall to me it's like I don't know you've you've um you're underwhelmed once again not underwhelmed because I kind of enjoyed the shooting part like I played it and there's loads of fun parts where you shoot people with a machine gun but I can do that in any shooting game and what Splinter Cell had that was different to differentiate itself was you didn't shoot people with a machine gun. Now you do. Like, before, you had a, a gun with a silencer on it. And that was about as, you know, gadgety as it got. Like, and you had a, a sticky camera that you could throw on the wall and then watch the camera and see people come past and then detonate it when they walk past. Now there is no gadgets because he doesn't work for the government. So they took all them gadgets away. And then, like... You, what do you think of when you think of Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell? Like, that goggle thing. He wears goggles on his head, right? Yeah. Like night vision goggles. And a black suit. Doesn't like have any of that. Doesn't even have the goggles. Now, the the trademark of Splinter Cell was when he put on his goggles and it made that funny sound, that bing, like noise. That was like Splinter Cell's trademark. 
Well, he doesn't have any goggles. He does get some goggles about halfway through the game, but they're not what you like. The night vision goggles. They're not the green, like they're not the ones that you. How Splinter Cell used to work was, you're in the dark, like you can turn all the lights out in a building, for instance, shoot the lights out with your silenced gun, and then it's pitch black. You put your goggles on so you can see perfectly, and all the bad guys freak out because like you're coming from behind them, you're strangling them. In this, yeah, in this one, you have these goggles that show you where people are, but it's not night vision. So it's really weird. It's like uh, I don't know. I, I'm not behind the game at all. Ah. So um, that's been the cell conviction. I wouldn't bother with it to be honest. It's rental. You can go through it. I think I'm on the final level, and I didn't have the drive to carry on. Uh. I mean, I will. I'll finish it, but. I, I'd normally sit there in a big in a session and just finish. This one, I got to this final level. It's actually kind of difficult, and I turned it off because I was kind of getting fed up and just went and did something else. So that, that says kinda, a lot. Yeah. So, and the other thing I wanted to mention was down the pipe, and this isn't official from Lucas uh, from Lucasfilm, but it probably will be this week. They've been working on the Star Wars Blu-ray set, which is six all six movies in one set. Um, and apparently it's going to be coming in October 2011. I'm excited because from the what they've said, this is not like unlike Lord of the Rings. They have found loads of new dailies from the new movies that have never been seen. Outtakes, behind-the-scenes oh, footage that they're going to install into this new Blu-ray version. So you're not just buying the movies again. There's new. They've even gone as far as making some new documentaries that incorporate this new footage. So, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, I think that will be a good buy. Yeah. Who knows how much that will cost though? All six movies. What do you think? Twelve dollars. I think it'll be two hundred. <laughs> I mean, it's Lucas, right? Yeah. Are you saying he's greedy? I think it'll be two hundred dollars that box set. But I think Amazon will discount it pretty much straight away to like one fifty. <laughs> but I can't see that being sixty. I mean, it can't be, can it? I don't know. I, I think this shouldn't be any more than that, but... It won't be $60. I mean, come on. How many people who love Star Wars don't own it already? Why it's... do you just keep ripping it up their ass every time you make a new version of it? He says it's going to be a 12-disc set also. Well, that's nine, and it's not $100, so... And yeah. it's not even all Blu-ray. No. So, you know. So, yeah, Star Wars... I'll Blu- call him up and talk to him about it. So, Star, you know, it's a big deal. Star Wars Blu-ray, when people said, oh, Lucas isn't doing Blu-ray... It looks like he is. He is. I'll, as soon as that official announcement comes, which I'm assuming will be this week, I'll mention it. But I think it's coming. Mm. Well, I don't think it's coming. That's. It's not just a rumor. You know what I mean? It's might as well be. On I don't Star really Wars. care. I think Star Wars is fine the way it is. So. No, I don't. I uh, feel I that it needs a Blu-ray release because it's on. You can see Star Wars in high definition because some of the HD movie channels will show it, but there's no way of owning it. Right. You know. Is it my turn? Yep. What's in my section? You do realize we're not doing movie recommendations this week because neither of us could think of anything to recommend alongside or in uh, in company with. Not that these, not the Lord of the Rings is like the end all beat all, but I'm saying if you're going to invest your time and your effort in watching Lord of the Rings, 
that's time. Lord of the Rings is yeah. worth a recommendation. <laughs> I recommend you watch the extras. That would be my recommendation. Just watch the movies and watch the extras because there's quite a lot and it's good. It's I good think you'll get twenty stuff. hours extras yeah. in that. I think that would be my recommendation yeah. or any of the other Peter Jackson movies. I'd say um, my stuff is uh, not much. What's for dinner? My veggie burgers, fries, some vegetables, and some coleslaw. And uh, that's it. That's all I've got. And uh, maybe Doctor Who. We'll watch Doctor sure. Who. Sure. Uh, yeah, we've been catching up on the new Doctor Who, uh, English, even in America, actually. It's yep. on in BBC in, in England, and BBC America has also aired it this weekend, the first episode. So, if you don't know what Doctor Who is, go and put, yeah, and you have BBC America, go and switch it on and catch a rerun, because I'm sure it's on, like, every hour. Sure. Um, and if you do know what Doctor Who is, you probably already saw it. But I have to say, just that, that the new Doctor, I really like him. It's almost like I've known Amelia. I really like the Amy Pond. Yep. Um, it's almost like I've like he's not. It was never not him. I know. Already that weird? Like, in two Isn't that weeks. Weird. Um, and this week's episode, which we will probably see today, is a, a Dalek episode, which um, I always love. I mean, oh, it also features Winston Churchill. So look at you, you're all wiggly, like <laughs> like Winston Churchill and the Daleks. That's like the best Doctor Who episode. Because as I said when you said that before, oh, you're a big Winston Churchill fan. I am. Nice. Actually, one of our best prime ministers. Whatever. We will fight them on the beaches. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, we don't have enough men in this world who want to fight. One more. Let's get another one. So, uh, you have nothing else? Nothing. I have nothing else. Nothing? No. Did you have something you want me... No, nothing. No? I All think right. we've talked people out of their... Uh... All right, then. So uh, <laughs> We've been in their ears long enough. So thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our website, say scully.com, sitsot.com. You can subscribe to us or follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. We're on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, YouTube, uh, Tumblr. We websites and talk.com and You can catch this podcast on ascully.com. Uh, you can subscribe to it on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, or you can go to the page, com, click on the word podcast, subscribe through any podcatcher, because we use the RSS syndication thing, and you can get the podcast anywhere you want there. Um, 118 episodes. All 118 are there to listen to. It's changed. I listened to episode one the other day. That's longer than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, I listened to episode one, which was our review of The Rock. And we've come, like, so far in the way the that we put the show... Right. How it, it was like we didn't know what we was doing at all. Like, well, of course not. <laughs> no, there was no introduction. We just, like, start talking. You know, it's like... like. Are you saying we're polished professionals now? Well, I'm saying there's, like, a format now, right? But there was nothing. It was like... Uh, of course not. We were like, working uh, our way through. Uh, so, um, we just watched the... Uh, you know, like that. Yeah. It's kind of funny. So, if you go back and listen to that, it's really you funny. You can hear us evolve as yeah. professional podcasters. At some point, we uh, became pros. You reckon? Do you think that in 118 more episodes you'll listen to this one and say, oh god, we That one was terrible, a Lord of the Rings episode. <laughs> we sucked so bad. So, uh, yeah, you can catch it there. You can email feedback to me at aschoolyaschoolyacom. Don't email Sid Talk. Oh, no, yeah, do email Sid Talk at sidtalk at lordofthering.com. <laughs> She'll answer you Give in it a Elvish. Go. In Elvish, yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, stay classy, Peter Jackson. I don't know what Peter Jackson's next project is, apart from The Hobbit, which he's not directing. But. I'm interested to see anything he does because I think he's a visionary kind of guy. Mm. And I'm going to say, think for yourselves. And if you don't like Lord of the Rings, don't kiss everybody's ass and pretend you do. Tell them what you like and tell them what you don't. Just think for yourself, but they'll do it for you. <laughs>